All right, good morning, Crossway. Let's try that one more time. Good morning. Well, great to see all of you here. Uh, my name is Pastor John. I'm usually in Irvine, so if you're like, who is this person that's standing here? Uh, it's great to see you. It's just so wonderful to be here and worship with you. Uh, I wanted to start by inviting you and asking you to share with the person next to you something. Usually I do this and it's something very trivial like what's your favorite food or what's your favorite color and we're not doing that. This morning I wanted to start, start with maybe something a little bit more serious. Can you share with the person next to you, and hopefully you know that person, a time when God was so faithful and he was so real and present and it's just so helpful for you during that time and period of your life. All right, so with the person next to you, hopefully if you don't know them, introduce yourself instead of getting kind of awkward and just jumping into something so serious. But if you could do that real quick, just share real quickly, go ahead. All right, uh, maybe just one more minute. Are you guys done? Good? All right. I isn't it powerful to remember when God was so faithful to you? Isn't it? I, I don't know about you. When someone shares a story about how faithful God has been in their own personal life, sometimes I'm just listening. I didn't even experience it, but I start getting goosebumps. I mean, I start getting encouraged, and sometimes I'll even smile, and I don't smile at all. But it's so powerful to remember God and who he is and all that we have available in him. So this morning, we come to Psalm 103, and it's powerful because unlike many Psalms where the author is talking to God, or about God to God's people, this one, the author, King David, is speaking to himself. I don't know if you caught that. He's literally commanding himself to what? Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless the Lord. And he continues, verse 2, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then he says something very interesting and very profound for us. He says, forget not all his benefits. He's making an interesting causation there. What he's saying is our forgetfulness of God, not remembering God and what he's done for us has a direct causation to our worship of him. Meaning when you forget God, you will struggle to worship him. I don't know if that's ever happened to you in your life. This is why it's so important for us to remember who God is and what he has done for us. 
And you see, the worship that David is after here is not some weak, sporadic, superficial, or half-hearted worship. What does he say? He says, all that is within me, bless his holy name. It hearkens to the command of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I don't know if this is who you are. Is that the type of worship that you desire? I hope so, but if not, I'm glad you're here. Because David doesn't as well. Not all the time. Why do you think he's commanding himself to bless the Lord? Because it's a struggle sometimes, isn't it? That there are times that we don't desire God the way that we should. And so what David does is he's commanding his own mind and soul. Remember what God has done. So that you will turn to him and worship. And worship in a way that God deserves. A passionate, all-consuming, daily that's what we're after. But the challenge is that we forget all sorts of things, don't we? Uh, You know, these days, I don't know why, my memory's just getting worse and worse. There are times I come downstairs and I I know I was supposed to get something, but I just don't remember. Like, I'll come down and be like, I I know I was supposed to get something. What was it? Or you're at church and you have a full conversation with the person. You meet them, you get their name, right? Next week, you see them down the hall. You can't remember their name. So you see them, hey, and then they're like, hey, John, right? They know your name. Oh, hey, brother. (laughs) Hey, hey, it's a struggle sometimes, isn't it? Or when someone asks you how old you are, I forget all the time. And it's like the higher the number, the harder it is to remember. Amen? And I get mad at my daughter when she doesn't know. I'm like, how old are you? She's like, three. No, you're four. Someone's like, how old are you? Heck, how old am I? You see, we forget things all the time. We forget silly things, but we forget important things as well, right? Like anniversaries. Don't do that. (laughs) Birthdays. Passwords. And worst of all, and what David is saying, one of the worst things for your spiritual life is if you forget God and how faithful he is and who he is and all that we have in him. I don't know if you knew this, but this is what Satan is after. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, he's actually the book, I don't know if you saw the young adult book, he wrote that book. But this is what he says, and he he makes a very insightful comment. He says this, in our members, talking about the church and the Christian body, he says, there is a slumbering inclination toward desire, a desire for the world, desire for sin. And he says, which is both sudden and fierce. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. He loses all reality and only desire for the creature or creation is real. The only reality is the devil. And then check this out. This is so profound. He says, Satan does not hear, fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. What he's saying is Satan wins when we forget God. That that's his goal. Yeah, would he like it if we hated God? Yes. But a lot of times for the Christian, it's not like we'll actually go and hate God. But he chooses for the latter, which is if you forget God, he's content. 
Isn't that profound? And it's so insightful because you know how it feels because there are times when you forget God and you live life as if God does not even exist. And that makes you powerless to walk a spiritual life that God desires. So what we want to do is we want to remember his benefits. So the rest of today is going to be David explaining what are some of those benefits. And hopefully you'll be able to recall in your own life what God has done. And you'll walk away here just wanting to worship God. And each and every day wanting to just remember because it's so powerful. You with me? Okay, I know we're not a crowd that likes to do amens and stuff, but just like, a, yeah, pastors, and that'd be nice. Are you guys with me? Yeah, we're going? You know where we're going? Yes? Thank you for the five of you, and uh, hopefully the rest of you will join in as we go here. Verse three, what are the benefits that we should remember constantly? He says this. Remember that God is who, what? Forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Stop right there. Here's a little dose of gospel coming your way. He says, remember that God is the one who forgives our sins, heals our diseases, and redeems us from destruction. So powerful. Who needs healing? Sinners. I'm sorry, forgiveness. Sinners. Who needs healing? The disease and those headed for death. Who needs to be redeemed? A criminal, a slave, or someone accused of wrong, right? That's who we were. And God saved us from that. Now, you might say, well, Pastor John, I was actually a really nice person before I met Christ. Okay, fine. You're a nice sinner that was like diseased and headed for hell. And God saved you from that. Hallelujah. That is why we're here. Amen? We are not here because, check the list, this is what I do on Sunday. No. We are here because God has healed us, saved us, and redeemed us from a life headed to destruction. And we, so we come and we remember. If I were to tell you to share your story of meeting God and how God saved you, some of us would be brought to tears because that story is so powerful. And sometimes we just forget that this is what God has done for us. Now, if that was, if the benefits stopped right there, I mean, we could stop the service and sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound, and we could just praise God. But David doesn't stop there. He goes on. Read with me. He says, who also what? Crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. That's supposed to give you a picture that not only does he save us, but he calls us his own and he crowns us with royalty. And we are called heirs now to God. We are his sons and daughters. And he crowns us with what? Kindness, love, and mercy that we do not deserve. That's so amazing, isn't it? It's like if you got a job. Anyone applying for any jobs? Anyone? Okay, thank you, James. Okay? I don't know if you're actually stretching. But let's say James is applying for a job, and he gets that job. And let's say he has a boatload of, like, just student loans and all sorts of stuff. So the CEO goes, I'm going to hire you. And not only am I going to hire you, but I'm going to just, all your student debts, it's all gone. And not only that, your criminal record, James, it's all gone. Okay? All gone. I took care of it. Your low credit score, now it's perfect. Now, at that point, that's pretty good. 
But then it's as if the CEO is literally saying, James, by the way, now I'm going I'm to adopt you as my son. And now you're not only a worker here, but you own the company. You'd be like, what? What kind of benefit package is this? But you see, this is what David is saying. See, sometimes we read God's word and we're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Fantastic. No, if you really get what David is saying, it should floor you. How could he do that? How could God provide that sort of benefit for us? If he stopped right here, it would be pretty dang good. We could stop and worship. He continues on. So read with me. Verse 5 is just, it's just wonderful. It says this. Not only all these wonderful things that I've already mentioned, but God is who, what? Satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let me tell you something. Um, and Ecclesiastes is all about this. There is no satisfaction apart from God. Can you say that to the person next to you, please? There is no satisfaction apart from God. Thank you. Uh, I love how we're like, there's no satisfaction. It's okay to talk in church. It's all, it's all good, right? There's no satisfaction apart from God. Amen? What he's saying here is this. You walk this life, and I don't care how much money you have, how much wine you've drank, what kind of, you know, six-pack you have, you will, at the end of all of that, you will say, eh, it's like, eh. And this is what you'll end with. There must be more. Check this out. You know the Adam and Eve story. They were in the Garden of Eden. Perfect. Isn't it interesting? Even in that sort of perfect state, they were looking at the tree and saying, huh, there must be more. Everything seems awesome, but look, we don't have that. See, that's within all of us. I want you to know something. What God is saying is that you come to him and he will satisfy you in a way that nothing in this world can. And the good here, he's not talking about worldly goods. He's talking about himself and the spiritual blessings that we have in him. And so that's what we find in God. This is uh, St. Augustine, and I'm sure we've shared this a lot um, in our services, but this is what he says. After reading all of the Bible, right, St. Augustine, even in his own personal life, he lived a lot, kind of just this crazy, debaucherous life in the world trying to find satisfaction. Could not. So finally found it in God, and this is what he says. He says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless, and unsatisfied, right? Until it rests in you. This is why God in Isaiah 55, 1 says this. He says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Talking about himself. He says, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? 
Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear. He's saying, listen up. Come to me here that your what? Soul may live. And I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. I'm going to tell you very frankly, you know, you try to just satisfy kind of this hole in your heart and you try to fill it with all sorts of stuff, your soul will not live. It will not. It is found in Christ. And so Christ, knowing this, he's like saying, why don't you come to me? Come to me. And King David recognizes that. He says, this is one of the benefits that we have in God. It's not just that he saves us and just leaves us alone, but he saves us and says, look, I have, I have everything you need. Peace, I am the prince of peace. Joy, overflowing joy that only I can provide. So come. So this is what we have available in him. Jump back with me to the passage, and verse 6 says this. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. What he's saying there is this, that this benefits package is not just for you and me or for King David. It's been like this forever for all of God's people throughout redemption history. That if you are his, that this is yours. It's available to you. Now, Deuteronomy 7, 9 says this, know therefore, once again, right, your mind. Remember, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He's the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. The rest of the passage, there's so many wonderful things and we don't have time to get into all of it, but I want to just highlight one thing, which is this. What David is going to help you to understand the rest of the psalm is why God would do this. You know Why? Is because of his steadfast love. Look at the passage. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. You know why he provides this? Is because he loves us with a steadfast love. It's immovable, it's not changeable, and it's not conditional, meaning there's nothing you can do to have God love you less. loves you. Uh, how many of you guys are married? Are you sitting next to your wife or your husband? Yeah? Uh, I'm going to say something, and this is not to offend you, but um, your love for your husband and wife is not steadfast. It's not. Because there are times where you're just so romantically attracted and you want to be with that person all the time, and there are times you don't want them in the room. Isn't that true? And they start talking and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your love is not steadfast. But God's is. And let me tell you how extreme this is. You guys know ISIS. If there was an ISIS person that would turn to God 
and say, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, that God's love would flow to that person. Isn't that crazy? Now, mine might not, because my love is not steadfast. It's conditional, isn't it? And yours is as well. But God's love for us is steadfast. I have a friend. Um, his wife got pregnant. Uh, in their first trimester, her morning sickness was just crazy. And anything, any sort of weird smell, I mean, she would just start throwing up. So there was a point where he would smell. And so she would throw up because of him. And so, you know, he found this very interesting, like, oh, man, I sh- I'm, I'm going to shower, I'm going to scrub like crazy. And then he would come out. And especially at night, and I guess it was really bad at night, she would be like, you smell like flesh. And she would not let him sleep in the same room for three months. That is the love that we have with one another. When it says steadfast love, I I think it's, you need to know that It's really beyond us. We can't really fully fathom it. This is why what David is going to do is he's going to start using all this extreme language for you to try to catch what that looks like. So he goes on. Let's read. It says this. Verse 9. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast toward us who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Isn't that that crazy? What he's trying to do is he's trying to help you to understand what steadfast love looks like. If there's some of you in this room, you're here, and you're struggling because you've sinned a lot. And you're like, God can't love me because I sin. He doesn't know. Let me tell you, he knows. And he loves you. There's nothing you can do. If you would just receive him. As far as the east and the west, he does not deal with us with our sins and our iniquities. And praise the Lord that he doesn't. Because none of us would be he able to stand and worship and to be called his own. Read on. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. That is God's love for us. And I don't know about you, but as I read that, I, I, I wish I could just stop preaching and we just go next to a worship song and just start worshiping. Because he deserves worship and we remember this in our lives. It should strike you that, man, we are, we are like dust and we only have a few days. And I want to spend those days just worshiping God with all that I am, to bless the Lord with all that is within me. So here's my challenge to you this morning. Love the Lord with your mind, 
stop filling it with just junk and stuff. Talk to God. Make time in your life to remember him, to read God's word, to exercise your mind in a way where God is more present and you remember who he is and what we have in him. And I'm going to tell you something. Jim Collins, he's a leadership guru. He says something very important. He says, don't make to-do lists and then add on to it. He says, we need to do more stop doing lists. <laughs> stop doing some stuff in your life so you can do more important things. See, if I tell you to now go make time and add God to make a little more time, you're going to struggle because your, your schedules are packed. But maybe what you need to do is stop doing a few things and to just have more time remembering God in your life because he's worth it. Uh, I wanted to just end with what Francis Chan says. He says this, God is not just one thing we add to the mix called life. He wants an invitation from us to permeate everything and every part of us. I hope that you would walk away and just invite him into your life.